Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and director of the Center for Understanding in Conflict, and I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Kira Gould. She's a certified divorce coach and real estate divorce expert. She's the founder of Getting Unmarried, a coaching platform that helps clients move on with clarity, compassion, and positive intention. Welcome, Kira. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Catherine. The pleasure is all mine. And, you know, I think that so many people in these COVID days have marriages under stress, and so many of them wonder if their marriage is really bad enough to call it quits. And I know that you've given a lot of thought to some of the things that come up for people. And so just off the top of your head, we can go through some of the ways in which marriages and relationships break down. But do you have a sort of sense as to how someone knows it's just beyond saving? (laughs) That's a great question. And you're so right. These COVID times are putting pressures on every relationship, not just the ones that were already in dire straits, but even healthy relationships. And it's adding that extra dimension that we need to consider. And, you know, every relationship, Catherine, is so unique. It's like a fingerprint. And I feel that every divorce is equally unique, like that fingerprint. So, you know, for one person, it might literally be the cap on the toothpaste that, you know, or not on the toothpaste tube, for that matter, that is the last straw and it's some little thing that breaks the the camel's back and for someone else they live with so much and so much and they're still grappling with the decision of whether this is the time to end my marriage and it's a difficult decision i'm not going to say it should be taken lightly or entered into swiftly by any means it sometimes takes people months or years to come to that decision and my clients come to me in all different states of, you know, un, a disease or unease, you know, and difficulty making this decision. So, you know, I've written about it kind of extensively, both in my blog and for articles as well, that there are certain signs that we should watch out for and that, you know, may play out in your relationship if it's troubled. Some of those signs are, you know, you just don't have any affinity toward that person anymore. You have a lack of respect. It's difficult for you to think kind thoughts about that person. You don't want to spend any time together. You would rather invest your personal time with a friend, your family, a coworker, anyone else sometimes. So there's this kind of disconnect that happens. There's a breakdown in communication. You're just not chatting anymore. You don't go to them to share how your day went. You don't care how their day went. It's almost like someone told me once, the opposite of love is not hate. It's 
apathy, this blah, no, I have no interest. So if you're finding yourself in that space, that's one of the warning signs I would say, you know, pay attention to. You know, there are many other ones. You know, we're all human beings and we each have needs and desires. And if your needs are not being met by your spouse and you're not feeling like meeting their needs, that can be a big red flag as well. And then, of course, there's so many more layers to this, but a big one is the intimacy. If there's a lack of intimacy in your relationship, that can be a big red flag and an issue. It's another need. Intimacy is another need that human beings all have. So if yours are not being met, what happens then? You know, does that open the door to infidelity, which does happen quite a lot in relationships that are on the rock, more than we probably even imagine or thought? Let me ask you about that, because I think that I wonder and when I meet with people, um, and I've been doing this a long time, and I think that this sort of lack of intimacy is emotional and physical. And I think oftentimes people search out physical intimacy when they're feeling a lack of emotional intimacy in their marriage. What do you think about that? Yes, I agree. It's it's not only physical intimacy. That might be the kind of thing we go out and grab, but it is a breakdown in the emotional intimacy as well. If you think about it, I initially said that your spouse is meant to be this go-to person. They shouldn't be the only person that you share emotional intimacies with. We all have a a network that we should share intimacies with friends, family, you know, you have your religious community, etc. But your partner is meant to be in a healthy marriage and partnership, kind of the the penultimate (laughs) partner for that. And if you're sharing your emotional intimacies with someone else and not with your partner, it's kind of like the the beginning of the of the end and it leads into the lack of physical intimacy that comes next and it doesn't have to go in that order like i said every relationship is so unique like a fingerprint but that's often the way it starts it kind of erodes for a variety of reasons you know life is complicated and even more so today so but i agree and then what we seek out we're feeling starved it's like a star we're being starved for that intimacy, that affection that is definitely a human need. We all need to be seen and heard and understood and touched. That is a need that we all seek as human beings. So whether that's hand-holding all the way to sex, that's all something that we in a healthy relationship would hope to get from our partner and be fulfilled in both of those or all of those areas, intimacy, physical, emotional. You know, some of these things that you're describing are really pretty extreme, the extreme side of things that start happening earlier. Because I think once Mm -hmm. we lost all respect for each other, it's probably too late, you know? Right, right. And and so what are along the path to that place? You know, what are some warning signs that people might be able to say, you know what, this doesn't feel right. We should get help before it's too late. Absolutely. And I am a huge proponent of getting help. I think in whatever form that is that resonates with you, and there are many different forms of help out there, including therapy for just you or couples counseling or life coaching, you know, again, 
religious community, friends, family, if there's some place where you think you might be able to get some support around something that isn't feeling right or sitting right with you. I have this quote that I live by. If you think something's wrong, it is, right? So trust your instinct along the way. If something is catching your attention or trying to tap you on the shoulder, you know, oftentimes they're small, quiet voices. Your, Your intuition, you might not be used to hearing it. It might be a small nagging thing at first like that cap on the toothpaste that I mentioned. But it pays to stop and have some quiet time, a place to pause, reflect, and see if, you know, what that message is behind that little thing that's bugging you. Is he or she not putting that cap on the to- the proverbial cap on the toothpaste because they're forgetful or because they are trying to get a little jab at you? They know it it irks you. You know, what is the motivation behind it? And yes, can we, how is the communication between you and your spouse when it's early on? Maybe you guys can learn a little bit better way of communicating that you can say, Hey, it, it irks me when you don't put the toothpaste top on there on the tube. Is there something we can talk about? Can we address what's the, what's behind this, et cetera? A lot of us are not trained in how to communicate or how to communicate effectively. And we'll jump straight to pointing the finger. You always do that to me. You don't let, you know, and and it escalates from there as opposed to being curious and making an inquiry about what our spouse's motivations are. And so that we can learn that through therapy. We can learn that through reading books. I'm a huge book reader. I love, I love reading and think that there's lots to be gained through that. But if you're not and you want to read something smaller than a book, there's so many great videos out there or articles, radio shows such as this, where you're going to get some wisdom and some inkling of ways to maybe jump in before it's too late and before it's all the way to, I have utter, you know, a lack of respect for you. One of the questions I ask my clients often at the beginning, maybe in our discovery session, because they'll come saying, I don't know what I want to do. And I'll say, do you have anything left to give to this relationship? Do you have any energy left? Are you willing to put forth some energy toward this? And sometimes the answer is no. They've gone too far. Other times it is, yes, I would love to try something. What can I do? I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WBOX 1460 AM in Westchester County, alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 5.30. And we're also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm talking today with Kira Gould about, well, we're talking about how you know your marriage is bad enough to call it quits and some warning signs along the way. And, you know, I think it's really interesting on that the cap on the toothpaste issue. I think sometimes people, you talk about motivation. You know, why did they leave the cap off the toothpaste? Is it really just because they were in a rush? Or is it because they're really trying to irritate the other person? And I think oftentimes what happens is it is a forgetfulness or a sloppiness or just something one person doesn't care about, but the other person interprets it as a jab. And and, and if that can't be discussed, that sort of sense that they're doing this to me on purpose to hurt me, even if it's relatively minor, things like the toothpaste cap can really lead to a seething rage over time. And when mm-hmm. people are really crammed together you know, with a 
sheltering in place or a lockdown or even just working from home with less with less strict protocols in place, it can really pile on. And if there's no way to talk about it, that can become really toxic. What do you think? Absolutely. Those little rubs, if we don't address them, they build up over time. And to your point exactly, I'll start reading into it. And if I don't address that and open up with my partner and say, what was the motivation? Hey, I'm curious, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then they start to build into resentment. And then resentment start to build into bad behavior on my part. And then I start finding myself doing little jabs back to you that I know are going to irritate you. And so pretty soon we get into this vicious cycle where what started as something that was probably, as you mentioned, maybe it was innocent, maybe it was forgetfulness, maybe it's sloppiness, something without any ill will behind it, all of a sudden turns into a battle of ill will on both partners' parts. And that can be really destructive and lead to bigger and bigger and bigger emotions and bigger actions and getting to that point of no return, where it wasn't personal at the beginning, but then it got personal over time. So, yes, I 100% agree with that point. I think it's really, it's very sad, um, because I also see a lot in my practice where one person is trying to provide something for the other person, but the other person receives it as bossiness. Right. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the gift of the magi, you know, like this story where we're trying to do something for the other person, but because it's such a communication breakdown and, and people have trouble and struggle to speak effectively to each other, like all kinds of rage builds up and a lot of fighting happens. And do you see that sometimes in your practice? Yes. And, and it, struck me that it leads to these sort of big emotions, right? Big emotions that get out of hand, out of control. Most of us can be really overwhelmed by those big emotions, anger, conflict, high voices, you know, aggressive body language. And we go right into defense mode if we're feeling under attack or overwhelmed. And that doesn't go well either for the communication. Really powerful communication requires vulnerability. And when you're not feeling safe because of all of those things we just mentioned, you're not going to all of a sudden open up and say, hey, you know how I'm really feeling is blah, blah, blah. You know, you're not going to make yourself vulnerable and open to further attack. It's just not safe. And so really to have growth and evolution and to have a healthy partnership vulnerability is a big component. It is a necessary component of that. I need to feel safe enough to be vulnerable with you. You need to provide a safe place for me to be vulnerable and vice versa. That's really a key component to a healthy dialogue, to having an effective communication between each other and to building that bridge of trust and understanding and really being, and really being seen. So we're living in a really toxic high conflict, I can never be vulnerable and open up, it really doesn't bode well for the health of the relationship. No, it doesn't. And I think that people uh, really fall down that trap and, and really are, they try to suck it up because, oh, I'm, you know, I don't want to make a big deal. But oftentimes 
by the time they say something, they're so pissed that they don't even know how to handle their own rage, you know? So, okay, the first yeah. is a face cap. Okay. The second one, well, that's a little annoying. <laughs> Third one, now I'm really starting to get pissed. By the 10th, you're really furious. And by the time you yeah. say, and I think this is a fear, by the time you say, I can't believe, expletive, 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 that you left the cap off the toothpaste again. Why did you do that? You know, then, then the other person can be completely blown away with how pissed off the first one is when they're like, wait a second, it was just the toothpaste cap, so why are you so pissed? And that makes it really hard. So I think it's really important for people to start talking about these things right off the bat so that they can get it straightened out early on. Do you agree with that? Yes. And sometimes, as I mentioned earlier, we just don't have those skills at our disposal. So it is helpful to to acquire those skills and make it your work to become a better communicator. That is something we can't control the other person's behavior. We cannot control how they're going to react to us, but we can take steps to educate ourselves on what it means to be in a healthy relationship, what healthy communication patterns look like, so that when I show up, I can do my best, you know, given my skill set and my experience, to show up in a way that might encourage that open dialogue as opposed to waiting until I'm so pissed. You know, I can take responsibility for my side of the street. And I can show up in the best way that I can. And there are wonderful books about, you know, healthy communication. There are wonderful books and anything by John Gottman, I recommend people read because he is a master in this, in this area and can really shed some light on red flags as well as things to do that are generative to your relationship. And the biggest one for him is kindness. So if we can all, in these trying times, remember that kindness can take us a long way, simple kindnesses that we can do for each other. And I can take responsibility for my own acts of kindness. And, you know, he talks about another type of thing called bids for affection or bids for attention. Your spouse will say, hey, can you look at this? And the breakdown in the marriage happens whether we say yes or not. You know, they want to show us something they're excited about. And if we are constantly busy and distracted and on our phones, which we all are these days, we're saying no to them. If we can make a conscious effort to say yes more often and show up and be involved, those little kindnesses, those little things for attention are so helpful. I think that's really great advice. I want to remind people that this is Divorce Dialogues, and I'm Catherine Miller. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30, and perhaps you're listening on a podcast when we're available wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe. And I'm talking today with Kira Gould, and Kira, if there are people out there who are interested in getting in touch with you or learning more about your work, how can they do that? I would say the best way, Catherine, is to go to my website. It's getting and then a hyphen, unmarried.com. There's lots of resources there for them, a lot of free resources and articles, blogs, videos. Great. You're also a real estate divorce expert. Tell us what that is and how people can benefit from that kind of service. Sure. Well, my background is in houses, decorating, interior design, media. I've written books and magazines. So I was doing that, but I've always had an interest in coaching and 
psychology. I was a psych major. And so for me, when I went through my own divorce and I was this agent, I realized that someone has to move, right? Someone has, when you're getting divorced, most likely right now, it's a little difficult, but someone has to move and it's moving already is so emotional and overwhelming. And then you throw in divorce, which touches every aspect of someone's life. And all of a sudden, it's huge. It just becomes overwhelming. And so for me to be able to bring that coaching sensibility to a move has been really powerful, effective, a huge act of service for me, because I want to help make that as smooth and as empowering as possible, because there are so many incredible life learning lessons, life lessons along the way that we can learn as we move move through this, both figuratively and literally. And so that has added a layer of dimension to my work that fuels me and, and allows me to give back. How do you recommend people think about moving? Because, I mean, divorce is a massive displacement, right, of how we see ourselves yeah. in the world. And moving is obviously a physical displacement of where we actually are in the world. And even if the other person moves, we have to rearrange the space to accommodate just me, not just me and you or me and the kids or, you know, whatever. But it's a really mm-hmm. a different sort of energy around living in the same space. I think that can be actually harder for some sometimes. And and so how do you help people think about whether or not they should be the one to move, how to look, think about a new space or reimagining the old space so that it, it holds a new life? Yes, those are all huge and wonderful questions and things that are unique and different for each, again, that fingerprint. There is, every person is going to have a really unique take on it. But it is a big displacement and it is a big transition. Whether you are going or staying, if you're the one who stays, you have all the reminders. If you're the one who's going, you're going to have to, like you said, physical, emotional displacement. I'm going to have to start over. And sometimes that's incredible. And usually that's where we'll, we're hoping to get to, right? With the with the shift in perspective that the coaching part of this brings along with it. I'm not just physically moving you. I'm going to help you transition and that it requires emotionally transitioning as well. And so what does that look like for you? What what does your new chapter look like? What are what's behind the reason we're getting divorced in the first place? Where are you today and where would you like to be? when you're, you know, have that aha moment and you can breathe for the first time. What does that look like? What what are your surroundings? Let's imagine, let's let's spend a little time journaling about that or Pinterest boarding or daydreaming because we want this to be inspirational on some level. This is going to be a big change. There are going to be a lot of you know, big emotions that come with it, but I don't want them to all be the quote unquote negative emotions. I want you to also have that sense of joy and excitement and anticipation. And you're going to build, if you have children, you're going to build new, new lives for them and new memories and new traditions. And that's part of the joy of doing this work that I do, that we're going to move in transition from where you are now, which is unhappy and, you know, just full of conflict, et cetera to living a life that's more authentic to who you are today. Well, that sounds fantastic. And what are the first steps that people can, when they're thinking about having to move, what are some things that they could bring them comfort as they think about that transition? 
That's a great question. Comfort is really important. And some of those things might be, I'm going to bring my favorite, whatever, rocking chair, blanket, photos. I think it's also really important to honor if you're the one leaving, I think, or you're selling your marital home. I think it's really important to do something to honor the home where you were. Um, even if it is full of some sad memories, there the chances are that, you know, it provided shelter. It was there for your children during X, Y, and Z. Let's take the time to do something in honor of that, whether that's make a book, especially if you have children, it's lovely to take pictures of the house, involve the children, you know, have them help make the book or design the book. You can do it on, you know, Snapfish or Shutterfly and um, take that with them. Allow them to have those memories. I think that's that's really very special. All right, we have a few seconds left. So in five words, what would you say to somebody thinking about divorce? What should they think about first? I would try to get quiet and hear what's in your heart. I think that's really good advice. Kira Gould, thank you so much for being our guest on Dialogue on Divorce. It's been a pleasure. That's wonderful. Thank you, Catherine.